morning. We have been blessed with another day to come in fellowship and worship and honor God and glorify the kingdom. And it is a beautiful day outside. You know, we think about it, it was rainy and we had bad weather a couple days ago. It's so beautiful outside now. We have God And understand that we are, have been, through His mercy, we've been allowed to see this day. And just, we can't take for granted the fact that we made it this God blessed us with the body to come and worship Him. Uh, we weren't persecuted, we weren't under attack. We had the freedom to come and worship Him simply. We can't, again, we can't take those things for granted. And we're just so thankful for this opportunity. Today is our family and friends. They're here at Locust Grove. And we want to welcome you all that are visiting with us for the first time. Family and friends, uh, we are honored and we're blessed to have you in our presence. We're just so thankful. I'm excited. I'm going to be all telling you, I'm cheesing up here. I'm so excited to see you all. God bless you all to be here with us today. Uh, and understand that we have an obligation here in this congregation to ensure that we edify, exhort you all, and admonish you. And as visitors with us for the first time, you all should be able to expect that from us. So again, we just are honored to have you here. I want to take this time now to thank Brother May for I mean, I our Mr. Barry Nagy out this morning. But uh, I myself, Brother Rozier, will be standing in. And again, just want to do this with you. If you are looking to hear from Brother May, that gives you some incentive to come back. Amen. <laughs> again, I, I thank you for the opportunity part of one of you with another portion of God's word. I'm just so thankful that I can be trusted here in this congregation to the members who continue to encourage me, support me and my family. I'm just so thankful. And again, we are just truly, truly blessed to get to have the ability to come together and grow in our understanding of the world. And hopefully and prayerfully, when we leave here today, we'll be stronger than when we came here. So without further ado, we'll get right into it. Self-denial is the cause of discipleship. This morning we'll look to examine the concept of self-denial. Uh, more, more specifically, as I said, self-denial self being the cost of discipleship. And we've got to understand that in order for us to truly fellowship with Christ, living a life of obedience, uh, denial of ourselves is a requirement. To be disciples, or more simply, followers of Christ or Christians, the Word of God teaches us that. Here in this local congregation is emphasized re-emphasize the need to deny ourselves, going beyond ourselves to ensure that our servitude is for God, that we are doing all things to please God. And also, we, and since we take our examples from Jesus, look at Mark 10, 44, what it says about even some came to not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for them. Now, that's Jesus. Now, we understand that Jesus understood that there was a need to deny himself. And we can go on and on about that because Jesus the divinity of God within him, but he still came on this earth and was a servant. Now for us, what do we think of need? And we've got to understand that. We're going beyond ourselves, seeking only to please the Father, seeking only to do those things that are pleasing and glorifying to the King. Not for ourselves, but for God. Now I mentioned self-denial as the cost of discipleship, but we need to understand exactly what that means. Right, you're talking about cost saving now that we wait. Salvation wait. So we're going to get in there. God offers us all a free gift of salvation. But we need to understand that Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace you have been saved in faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. So we need to understand that it's free in the sense that it's unmerited faith. There's nothing that we did for that person. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing spectacular that we can do. We can't pay our way in. We can't work our way in. It is because of God's love. And that all men be saved through His Son, Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of Christ. That's what we've got to understand it. We've got to understand this. So when I say that freely, we've got to keep that in mind that that's that grace. And also, not only that, God gives us the free will to choose Him. He's not blocking us. We can freely make a decision today. Say, hey, you know what? I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to trust and commit myself unto Him. And we've got to understand that. Now, I want to pose a question for us. Mary Bishop. How many of us here today question the validity of something that's free? When we see signs that says free, free, what do we, what do we say to ourselves? And I'll give you an example. My wife and I, we have a, there, there's an area road in our living room. And a couple weeks ago, I got stained. So I said to myself, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save this rug. I'm not going to, going to save it. So what I did was I took the rug outside. I got my cleaning supplies. I got the hose. I cleaned it. 
called myself trying to drive. So my wife came and she said, she said, hey, you know, um, it didn't work out the way she thought it would. So I told, I told my wife, I said, you know, we just might have to take a loss, you know, on that road. And she said to me, she said, oh, well, I mean, that's fine, it was free. And then I thought to myself, was it really free? And my wife said to me, you know what, I don't know. And I posed that question because, now I said that free gift of salvation, that undeserved favor. But we've got to understand that it costs something. And we've got to take that into consideration. So it costs God the Father. His only begotten son. His perfect son. God, understand that God gave a piece of who he was to save us. That's what it cost God. Understand that Jesus, his perfect son, had no sin. It cost him to come down in the form of man. He suffered. He humiliated. Crucified. Eventually costing him his death. Costing him his life for us. So now we've got to understand when I say that free gift of salvation, let me be very clear that freeness comes from that grace, that God wants all men, everyone in here, he wants them to be saved. And that grace from God is how we obtain that. But understand, there is something that we have to give, which is our sin. Right. Okay, so again, that self-denial being the cost of discipleship, or the cost of saying, I choose you, Christ, and I'm going to follow and obey you. Yeah. So now let's look at what self-denial is. And what we'll do is we'll be, we'll begin with the very, very basic concept of self-denial, just definition. And uh, again, I highlighted that self because that's important. We need to keep that in mind. Though that self is going to always be highlighted. You're going to see it because that's what we're examining today. We're examining ourselves. That's what we're examining in necessity. Am I ready to give up who I am that can hinder me from glorifying the kingdom of God? We've got to understand those things. So again, what is self-denial? Self-denial is simply defined as the denial of one's own interests and needs, self-sacrifice. And again, this is just from Merriam-Webster with the Roman Lines Dictionary. Answer. So that's all this is. And I'll give you some useful synonyms. We've got selfish, unselfish, self-discipline. Absence, or in other words, just a simple refraining from. So we've got to understand that means refraining from myself. Mm -hmm. So now also, very briefly, I'm going, to, I'm going to attempt to explain some English grammar. I know we have some teachers in the audience, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time. The more time I spend, the more time it gives me to mess it up. So I'm going to get in and out. So denial of self is reflexive in nature. So self-denial is reflexive in nature. So if I, Gerard is saying, I'm denying myself, right? Myself being the pronoun, right? So in other words, that reflexive nature, it indicates that the person, myself, who realizes that the action, denial, is also the same person who does that action. So again, denial of myself, I realize that there needs to be some denial, and I also realize that denial is coming from me. Denial of yourself, denial of you, that means you realize that there's some denial that you have you're doing to deny he himself, her, herself. Did I say that right? Herself. Okay. Well, make sure we got that. Told you. But we've got to understand, and I brought that up because we have a tendency sometimes to generalize how we assess ourselves. We have a real tendency to not really want to dig deep and assess where we are in terms of our daily walk, where we are when we say we love God, or where we are when we say we make commitment to Jesus and following Him. We, we kind of kind of, kind of skate around that thing. But what that self-denial does, that reflexive nature, what it does, it puts it on us. That's what I can want for everyone in this room to deny themselves to receive that free gift of salvation. I can want it so bad for each and every one of you. You all could want it for me, but it can't be done. It has to be done by you. There is an individual responsibility for us to deny ourselves. Henceforth, self. Henceforth, this reflexive nature and self-denial. Hmm. Yeah. Still yeah. Philippians 2 and 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. Now again, just going back to that point I just made, listen, you can want it for whoever you want it for, but you have got to want it and do it for yourself. So we can't get away from that. We've got to understand that the onus is on us. And when we make that commitment, when we say to God, you know what? I'm going to choose you. That's for us. We did the choosing, therefore we do the work. <laughs> now, we generally define self-denial. Dictionary answer. Now let's go to the Bible and see what the Bible says 
I about self-denial. Let's, let's get away from that. Let's get away and see what the Bible will have us understand about the concept of self-denial. And we'll begin in the book of Mark, the eighth chapter, beginning at verse 27. And it reads, Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now we're going to park this for a because I just some things that we got to highlight. So now we see that Jesus is ministering, again, uh, just to paraphrase, he is uh, in the time of Caesar he is out ministering, and people would have had the opportunity by this time to kind of see and gain an understanding, a base understanding of who he was. They may have seen the sign, miracles, and wonders. They may have had, people may have been talking to him. So what Jesus didn't do, Jesus wasn't proclaiming. He wasn't self-proclaiming. Again, he was also exhibiting some self-denial. So he wasn't proclaiming because what he wanted, he wanted a full commitment. He wanted a progressive understanding that you trust in him. You know exactly who he is when you say, I choose to follow Jesus. That's what he wanted. So he asked his disciples. He said, hey, you know, who are people saying that I am? So understandably so, the people in that during that time were answering based on the things that they had. He said, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. Jesus said, okay, I got all that. But who do you all say? You're with me every day. You have seen, you're suffering with me. You are walking with me. You all, who do you all say that I am? Peter, boldly proclaimed. What did Peter say? Peter said, yeah, listen. Look at that, and, and in this moment, imagine yourselves. Peter says, you are Christ. Boldly proclaiming those things. And a lot of times, the reason why I say examine ourselves is because look at what we do. If someone asks us, hey, do you know who Jesus is? We may get offended. Like, how dare you ask me, do I know who Jesus is? Peter boldly proclaimed, hey, you are the Christ. So now also, now going down to uh, verse 32, right? No, 31. Let me back up. Let me, let me make sure we get this. Uh, Jesus is now, after that, Jesus is telling him, say, hey, look. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. You all need to understand that the reason why I came to this earth is because I had to die. I had to die. That's it. So now Peter said, well, wait, whoa, wait now. Nobody said anything about dying. Now, I'll follow you. I'll go, now, I can suffer a little bit, but nobody said anything about dying and had the nerve as if to indicate to Jesus that he knows better than Jesus, the Son of God. <clears throat> Rebuked the audacity. So now, y'all bear with me. Y'all stay with me. We're going to go over as a reference. I'm going to make sure we reference this to John. Beginning in the second chapter, 23, verse 23. And again, this is a part. Don't let me lose you. We're going to go back to Peter. Verse 23, John 2. But now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. For Jesus did not commit himself to them, because he knew all men, and had no need that anyone should testify of men, for he knew what was in men. Now, many believed in him. And it says that in verse 23. Many believed in him because of the signs in which he did. Now, they saw the tangible thing that Jesus may have had the ability to do. Look at us sometimes. We know that God will bless us beyond the Tangible, all the tangible things that God will provide for us. We can, we can acknowledge those things. That's a very, very basic level. But Jesus, he says in verse 24, but Jesus did not commit himself to In other words, Jesus didn't trust their belief. Jesus did not trust their belief. And again, now, the question is for us. Can Jesus trust our belief? Do we truly understand what it costs to be a disciple? Do we truly understand that we are no longer concerned about ourselves, but we are concerned solely about doing the will of the Father, glorifying the kingdom of God? Do we understand that? So the question is again, can God trust us? So now, Verse 25 says, And had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Now, I want to build some context. I mean, it would do us some good to build some context. Jesus was conducting his ministry in Jerusalem during this time. 
Uh, he had to read further up in uh, John chapter 2. He had to just turn the water into wine. Uh, the Passover was going on, and they had the Passover feast. So understand that there had, he had the ability to be witnessed by a large number of people. Jews may have gathered, they would have all been in one place, and they would have all been talking about this Jesus. Man, this Jesus coming through here doing all these things. Listen, I have got to get a little bit, I've got to get out. Because he is doing all these things. And think of all the things that he can do for me. So now, understand that during that time, the Jews during that time, the things that they were going through, and I think it, it would be important to understand that because that during that time they were stricken with poverty. Uh, they were oppressed. They were burdened with heavy taxes. Uh, they had been in captivity years before. We read, we read earlier in, uh, in the Bible. They were in captivity. And they never had, they had been a steep fall from the glory days of promise. So now, in that moment, following dealing with Jesus, they may have had some PTSD in because they didn't want to go back to that. So Jesus to come in, saying, hey, uh, being a king, they were thinking physically of a kingdom. Kingdoms typically bring what? Armies. Armies can typically do what? Come in and move out those corrupt officials. Do all of them. And they would have had the ability to receive tangible benefit. Their lives may have been improved. Understand those things. Now, what's, what's the problem with all this? What's the problem with believing in those things? Because again, it says Jesus didn't trust them. He did not trust their belief. He didn't trust them because they didn't consider the cost. They didn't consider the fact that they would have to give up worrying about those physical things. They didn't understand that. So again, that, he didn't trust that belief. So now go back, going back to Peter. We didn't forget about Peter. Now we're going back to Peter because Peter may have got caught into those days as well. He was. So he had, he was witnessing the things that Jesus was doing. Witnessing those things. And so he may not have wanted to lose his friend. He may, there may have been an attachment there. And he loved Jesus so much that he couldn't even get over himself and say, you know what? You're right. And the saddest part about it. And again, I'm talking to us. Insert ourselves. The saddest part about it is that Jesus, Peter didn't even understand that the blessing was in the death. Because following the death is what? The resurrection. And again, what we've got to realize is the blessing is in the denial of who we are. Because once we can do that, we receive again that free gift of salvation. Remember, if there's nothing that we did. God said, I love you all so much and I want everyone in here to be saved. You had this gift to freely choose my son Jesus. And again, we've got to understand, do we realize what it costs to be disciples? Do we understand that? Or are we just foster people? And those are questions that we've got to ask ourselves. And, and again, I want to I go back to Peter because it's important to, to understand that Peter boldly proclaimed Jesus for the Son of God. He boldly proclaimed those things. And we've got to examine ourselves because so many times when we go out into the world, I love Jesus. I know who Jesus is. I go to church. I do all those things. But are we communicating? And are we living a lifestyle that indicates we've denied ourselves? Yeah. Are we glorifying ourselves? Or are we simply just false and proclaiming? Not having considered what it costs to truly be disciple. Now I want to go back to verse 33, Mark 8, 33. Only the news of us. Verse 33 says, But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. He didn't even talk to Peter. He didn't even address Peter. He said, Satan, you know what? You don't have to worry. Because I know that your influence is on my, my disciples. I know that that's your influence. Because you're concerned about the things of men. So to be concerned about the things of men, that's not God. Again, understand. He didn't even address me because he knew what was going on. Continuing on. 34. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, we've got to understand what that cross means. We've got to understand what the cross means, not to us, but to Jesus. Because we see crosses everywhere. And now we see crosses on vehicles, people wearing jewelry, all those things. And I'm not saying anything is bad about it. That's not what I'm saying. But what we need to do today is get ourselves and our base understanding of what the cross is out of the question. Let's look at what the cross meant to Jesus. That means in Philippians 2, beginning Verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, 
who made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, for Jesus, that cross meant a denial of who he was. And understand that Jesus, again, I said earlier, Jesus had the divinity of God with him, the fullness of God in him. And he said, when he came, he could have easily said, you know what? Everyone on this earth, you all need to be groveling at my feet. Do you all know who I am? He easily could have said it. And it wouldn't have been wrong. He says it wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been wrong. But you know what he did? Denied that part of himself. He said, you know what? Obedience. I will please the Father, even to the point of death, up on that cross. So now we've got to understand what that cross meant. That's self-denial for Jesus. And it's denying the fear he made of the The shame. He didn't sin, but he took on those things for us. That shame, that embarrassment, the ridicule, the physical and emotional abuse that he went through. So now, enter ourselves. What does the cross mean to us? When we say we choose Jesus, that cross means to me, you know what? I have an inability to save myself. I can't do it. So what I'll do now is I'm going to take my will. I'm going to take my emotions, the way that I handle things in my life. I'm going to hang that on the cross with Jesus because I can't do it without it. I can't. And that's what we're saying when we deny ourselves. Understand. We, when we make that commitment, that's the commitment that we're making. We're pushing through. Again, we all go through trial tribulations. We, we got that. But what it's saying is bearing that cross means you find the easiest part to bear on that cross, which is the cross to be. And you look slack there. You grab it and you continue to move forward because Jesus continued to move forward past all those things, past all those emotions. All those things that make us that anxiety, that work. When we're in our jobs and people say something to us that we don't like. No, no, we don't respond how we want to. Because again, it's not about us. We don't let them know where to get off that. No, we don't do those things. We don't do those things. When we go to the doctor and we're, we're concerned that we may be facing some bad news. You know what we don't do? We don't worry about it because that part of ourselves we deny. You know, remember what we said? We have an inability to save ourselves. So what we've done is now we have taken that part of ourselves that we're worried about those things. We've hanging, we are hanging on the cross. Crucifying. Understanding that in Romans chapter 6, and we'll go through all these, but I do want to make some points. Uh, beginning at verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. What that's doing is that's giving us the power to say no to ourselves. And again, it sounds. It, we simplify it so much. And I want to be very clear. We simplify it. See, I, I can deny myself. Can you, can you really dig deep within yourself and realize that you are now hanging that part of yourself that is not pleasing to God on that cross with you? Saying, hey, look, I choose to follow you. I will take this cross and I will suffer through all those things. All those bad things that I just cannot stand to feel. I can take it because I'm following you. Is that what we're saying? Do we understand what it truly means to be a disciple? And again, dropping down to verse 8. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, again, that blessing comes from the denial of ourselves because now we are risen. Now our mind says, focus solely on pleasing the Father. That's all we're concerned about. So when we have situations in our life and we say, you know what, I, I don't know if I can do it. We remember, you know what, I'm a disciple. I've given that part of me that would doubt. I've given that part up. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that's what it means to truly follow Jesus. Amen. Going down and dropping down the verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead and need to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That just furthers that point. That we have been given through his son Jesus the ability to say no to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Colossians. 3 and 5 further that point. Therefore, put to death those members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Again, Galatians 5 24 continues that point. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Understand, we are denying the things that we want to please us. Those things that, that help us take the edge off of our lives. Those things that, you know, we all have, everybody has them. And it's for me. That denial is for you all, so it's specific to you. But we all have those things, but we're not denying those passions, those desires. We're denying those things that our heart is so desired. Oh, yeah, if I could just get one more, I'll be all right. No, we don't even want to get more. We really, because we realize that the blessing is the denial of ourselves. 
So now we, we talk about self. We talk about self now, but I want to continue again. I said, we'll build. I want to continue to pack what's in that, unpack what's in that self. Self-interest. There we go. Again, I got it in red, so understand that that self is important. One's own personal interest or advantage, especially when pursued without regard for others. I don't know how you're going to get it, but I'm going to get mine. I don't know what y'all gonna do. Oh, you having a bad day? Hey, that's not my problem. I'm worried about me. Oh, you don't feel good today? Hey, look, I'm all right. I'm only concerned about me. That's all I'm concerned. I don't don't have any need for compassion for you because I'm only concerned about me. Self-promotion. The action of promoting or publicizing oneself or one's activities, especially in a forceful way. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at what I can do. Look what I've done. Look what I can do for myself. Like, I don't need any of you all. Like, look, at, look, look. This is all me. I do this. I'm good. I do. This house that I got, hey, hard work. Determination. This promotion that I got, hey, look. They love me at my job. Understand. That's all we're doing, promoting ourselves. We've got to understand. Get that out of the way. Self-preservation. Oh, they are afraid of it. Hold on. The protection of oneself from harm or death, especially regarded as a basic instinct in human beings and animals. Now, I highlighted that. I made that red because I want to really, really have this point. That's the basic instinctual drive to preserve our own system. Wait a minute. That's the drive that makes us get up and go to a job that we may not enjoy, but we do it because we're trying to get paid to take care of our family. That's that instinctual drive that we had in That's Making sure that we have these jobs to provide food for our families, do all the things that we know are good. Because we want to survive, that's what we're doing. And a lot of the times, I say this and I make this joke about uh, people in my job. I say, you know, when people do things a lot of times, and I don't take it personally, but when people do things that may be, in my mind, uncharacteristic, I, I don't attribute it to them being a bad person, but I always say, you know what, these people are just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that they know how to survive. Mm-hmm. So again, we've got to understand that. But again, I'm talking about us today. I'm talking about, I'm talking about us. All right. So that's self-preservation. And understand that. Excuse me, guys. I'm going to warn you. I'm going to what? Abraham Maslow, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but psychologically, he gave a hierarchy of needs. The things that we feel we need to sustain us, to preserve us. Those things, listen, I'm saying here today, Jesus is telling you, don't even worry about that. Right. Matthew 6, beginning of verse 30 says, Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, Jesus is telling you, don't worry about that. Listen, I know you got to eat. I know you got to put clothes on. I know you got to take care of your family. I know all those things. And what, what he's saying is, don't allow that anxiety, that pressure, that stress to consume you because that part of you, you can't please me doing those things. So what he's saying, take that, realize that you have an inability to save yourself, take that part of that self and hang it on the cross with me and be risen and understand, just follow me and I will take care of you. I got you. And the, and the blessing of it is, he's waiting for us to make that decision. Free. We can freely make that decision. And understand, I want to hammer that point, that's free. Again, God's he loves us that much that he wants us to all, everyone in here to be saved. Self-complacency. The feeling you have when you are satisfied with yourself. Potential fault. Today is naturally known as Easter. Self-complacency will say to us, okay? It's Easter Sunday. I'm here. People have seen me. I've seen people. Good to go. I'm good to go for next year. They, I, I was there on Easter, and most people don't remember Easter and a couple of holidays. But I'm here. I'm good. I'm all right, God. God knows my heart. But He knows it. Requirement made. And we make plans and all those things. And, and that self complacency will say to us, that's enough. That's all you have to do. And we've got to understand that we've got to get rid of that portion of ourselves as well. Because that will hinder us from fully, truly being disciples and serving God. So, to sum all that, 
Self is simply the carnality of the mind, flesh. Romans 8, 8, it tells us that we cannot please God and worry about ourselves. And it's just not going to happen. And that's, that's what the Bible teaches us. And Roman, also Romans 2, beginning at verse 7, it says, Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Verse 8, but those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath. And then if we continue on, there's a list of other things that won't be so good for you if you're self-seeking. But the point of it is, listen, we can't be so worried about ourselves because we've got to understand there's nothing that we can do for ourselves that's going to help us to glorify God if we're so wrapped up in that tangible, fleshly thing. Those passions, those desires, that ambition that we want. No, it's not about us anymore. When we make that commitment, we say to God, listen, Again, I'm reiterating that We're saying I have an inability to save myself. And we realize that. Because we say, you know what? I choose you. I want to be a disciple. So now, let's examine, considering the culture. Now, we've talked about self. We've talked about self. I feel like we kind of got there. But when we say, hey, I, I choose you. I want to follow you. I want to, I want to be a Christian. Let's make sure that when we make that decision, we understand what it is that we're saying. Let's consider truly the cause. In Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 25, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, Jesus just gave you right there the cost of being a disciple. That's it. Now, that's because that's the word. That's what he's telling us. And now, we've got to understand that we have obligations in our lives. We have family members. We have domestic ties, our husbands, our wives. We have all these things. And what Jesus is saying, listen, none of those things will be a priority over me. None of those things will get in the way of you serving me. Wait, why? Well, you know, my brother, you know, he don't really listen. I, brother, I understand. But Jesus is who I choose to serve. I am a disciple now. Wife, well, my wife, you know, she, she don't really like drama. You know what, wife? Listen, not even you. My kids? Listen, I love my kids. But not even them. Not even them. That job that I have, God will bless me. That I have, that I go to, and I can pay my bills, and God bless me with those things. Not even that job Amen. will hinder me from my servitude to God. We've got to understand those things. Amen. So it's not about us, and that's a hard pill to swallow. Because we say Amen, but do we understand truly the cost of being His disciple? Amen. Continuing on, verse twenty-eight and Luke fourteen. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? whether he has enough to finish. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends the delegation and has conditions of peace. So likewise, Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Listen, that's it again. And I feel like that's important because he's saying he's here. So we've got to understand. And he gave the example, but I just want to continue to put it in the application of what you need right here today. We see there's there's so much new construction going on in this area. There's so many houses being erected, there's buildings, so forth and so on. Now, those builders have to take into consideration the cost of building. They have to take in the cost of the resources. They have to make sure they consider the cost of being able to pay their workers that are working on that, uh, that particular project. Now, if they didn't do those things, we would drive around and we would see a bunch of half buildings because they didn't consider the cost. Again, as students, when we say, you know what, I want to be a doctor, we'll just say a doctor. We've got to, they've got to consider that cost as well. They've got to consider the amount of time it takes, the school, the money, the cost of resources, those books, the job. All those things, they have to consider those things or whatever they choose to be. Because if you don't consider the cost, what you'll begin to see is, don't tell anybody to take it. I get it too. We'll, have, we'll, we'll switch majors a bunch of different times. We'll always, we'll always be, well, I'm still undecided. We'll always be undecided because we haven't truly considered the cost of being a student in that particular profession. Yeah. And we've got to understand it. So when we say we consider the cost, 
we have considered that God gave His only begotten Son, sent Him down in the form of man, He suffered for us and gave His life. And now, He's asking us to deny yourself and follow me. Now, have we truly considered that? And a lot of times what you see, you know, and again, we, we all have to know what we did with it. But we can't go into it not understanding what Jesus required. We need to know. Because that way, we can finish this race. This race called, because it, it's not easy. But we know that when we commit ourselves and we're truly disciples and we're truly, truly following and committed to doing the will of the Father, it'll be all right. We don't have to worry about ourselves. Amen. Amen. So now we've gone through what self-denial is. We understand that what we define self-denial and now understand that Peter, again, examining ourselves in the same concept, Peter boldly proclaimed that, hey, you are the son of God. But then we come to find out when he was, he explained to them where the rubber meets the road, hey, you got to die. What do you want? He didn't want that. So now we are beginning to understand that it requires of us to give up those passions and desires. We've examined that concept. So now listen, let's look at what self-denial is not. <laughs> so we need to understand that we've got to go beyond the mere denial, denying ourselves the mere luxury of a particular thing. Right? Because what good is it to deny a particular thing but not the love of that thing with your service? What, what good is that? And because what we're saying now is, God, you know what? Look, this is what I'll give up. This is what I can give up. As if to say, that's enough. As if to dictate to God how we would please Him. As if, to, as if He hadn't already told us what He wanted. And so, no, we've got to understand those things. Because we can't say to ourselves, you know what, I'm not going to do this particular thing during this particular time for this particular amount of days. Because what we'll do is, and I'm not saying nobody in here does that, but what, we, what we may do is we may say, you know what, man, when my time is up, right back to you. So what good is that self-denial? Because what he's saying is deny those passions and those desires, those things that will hinder you. Because you may be good for 30 days or however long you do it, but you've got to understand that mind, you're still having to deny yourself because that part of you, that self could hinder your service. And that's what he's saying. And also in Colossians chapter 2, beginning of verse 20, Paul talks about it. Paul says, therefore, if you die with Christ, from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Now, someone may see us doing these things, but hey, I'm not doing this. Oh man, wow, really? You're not doing those things? But listen, have we truly denied that part of ourselves? Have we truly, because we understand that, again, that reflexive nature, we understand that there's denial that needs to happen. But do we truly understand that we're to give up that passion and that desire, because that passion and that desire for that particular thing that we deny for a particular amount of time could still be for our service? Do we truly understand those things? Mm -hmm. And so we've got to understand when we say we choose Jesus, when we say I will be a disciple of Christ, we've got to understand completely what that means. That means considering the cost. We've got to understand that we don't we don't dictate to God what we'll give up. Right. Again, that's what, that's what self-denial is not. Because he doesn't need our manual. He doesn't need, and again, when you're going back to John, Jesus said, listen, I don't need for man to testify for me. Because right. I know we're sinning. So again, we've got to be pure. We've got to understand that part of ourselves. And we've got to honestly take a look at who we are. Again, that's why I love the reflexive nature of self-denial. Because that means it's for us. We got to do it. So again, taking into consideration those things. And also, very, very simply, I want to sum that up by saying self-denial can look, be looked at just a faith in God that whatever you deal with, through him you will be faith. And that's saying. You know, again, we go through things in our lives, and we, we understand that. We, we're human. We got that. We're human. And we know, and I, I know, I'm impressed that not we, I, I know that there are some situations that when it gets hard, I know if I if, if it was left up to me, I'm in tough tail one. I may say, you know what, I can, I'm not, I can do this. I'm not, I'm not going to do this. But see, I understand that. 
I understand that that part of me could hinder my servitude. That part of me could hinder my service to others, my compassion for others, my glorifying the kingdom, my going out and shining my light and saying, you know what, God is great. I love him and I will truly serve him by living a lifestyle. Not by saying it, I'm living a lifestyle now. We have to understand that that part of us that will cause that stress, that anxiety, that worry, we got to deny that part. And it makes it easier for some. And it's harder for others, but we've got to understand it's a requirement to be And also, I, I want to make this point as well that when we're do, when we're in the act of denying ourselves, we're not. Everybody, we don't wait to say, "Well, today I'm going to deny myself. Today I'm going to deny myself today." That's not what's happening. We're not even conscious of it because what's happening is in Titus. 2 and 11, it says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Again, that word grace. Again, that, remember that. We said that free gift of salvation, that grace, understand, appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So when I say that we're not conscious of it, what we're doing is we're living a life of righteousness. We are not, again, and let me, let me be very clear, I'm not saying that we're perfect, but we are purposely living a life of righteousness. We are not putting ourselves in situations that will hinder our service. We, we are ensuring that we are stepping very carefully because we know that we will mess it up. I know Gerard will mess it up if it's left up to me. I know that. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to admit that. No one in here should be afraid to admit. Listen, if it was left up to me, I would make my We should be able to understand it because that's what it means to be disciple. Because now that cross, remember what that cross meant to Jesus? That pain. That, that suffering, that humiliation, all those things, those things that we don't want to deal with. We say, you know what, not no self, not today. I'm going to continue to serve. I'm going to continue to move forward. So now we have gone over self now, and I, I trust and pray that something was said, but before I close, and I'm working towards the close, I want to leave you all with something. And this, y'all bear with me, because it came to me this morning. I wasn't, I wasn't even prepared. This came to me while I was sitting there. Um, John, Chapter 6. Yeah, we're not going to get into 20 or verse 26. And it's not up here at the beginning. This is something that I, I add. But I want to, I won't go through the whole thing, but I want to highlight some things. Uh, in John chapter 6, the previous chapter, Jesus had just failed, failed to fail the Everybody had gotten full. Everybody was good to go. So look how easy it is for people to follow Jesus when they're full, when they receive their blessings. When I, I'm good to go. Look how easy it is for us to say, yeah, we'll follow, yeah, we'll follow that. We'll follow. So now, verse 26, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate in the loaves and were So Jesus knows. He said, look, this, y'all follow me because y'all fool and y'all have no <laughs> So again, examine our lives. When we say these things, yes, Jesus was talking to those during that day, but he's talking to us today. We need to examine ourselves and ensure that that's not us. Right. If we drop down to verse 32, again, I'm, I'm going through these. Then Jesus says, and most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. And that was said because they were saying, hey, well, you know, we need a sign. You know, if you want us to follow you, we need a sign. What you, you going to do for us? You know, they had bread during the time of Moses. Well, what, what kind of sign are we going to do? And that's why Jesus responded in that way. Working on my way down. Uh, verse 34 said, Then they said to him, I'm sorry, verse 34, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never hurt. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Listen now, wait a minute. Listen now. These folks just got paid. You know, they have been blessed. You understand? We have been blessed in our lives. We can all, if we just took some time and thought about the things that we were happy to overcome through God, His mercy, we wouldn't be able to do it because there's so many things that God gives us. And some of us today still won't believe. Some of us today still won't commit to being disciples. Understanding that He's still, He's given us all these things. But well, we need a sign. Well, what you want to do for us? Because I'm still hungry. Understand. Going down. Verse 30, uh, verse, drop down to verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now again, we're examining Jesus and those characteristics. Now that's those, those are the characteristics 
for a disciple, someone who's obedient, someone who understands that it ain't about me. I should do it. It ain't been about me. 41. This is John 6, 26 through 67 as a reference. Uh, verse 41. The Jews, they complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Verse 42. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Wait, don't you stay down the street? Boy, I know who you are. I'm not, come on, man. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to do that. Because how can you say those things? Now, and they have just been fed. Just been fed. And again, Jesus says, listen, I don't need for men to convince me because I know it's you. And we've got to understand those things. Dropping down to verse 44. It said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sits and draws him. This is Jesus, talking, And I will raise him up in the last day. Now I want to get down to verse 47. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat it of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore poured among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? What? You want us to do what? In their minds, they were thinking of cannibals. They couldn't even see that Jesus was giving them the blessing. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food in me, and my blood is drink in me. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I am him. Now, dropping down, verse 60, if you follow along. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Verse 61 says, When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? Are you offended by the things that I'm asking? Are we offended that Jesus wants us to deny ourselves? Does that offend us? Does that make us uncomfortable? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about it, verse 62, what then if you should see the Son of Man seeing where he was before? It is, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh promises nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Understand, the flesh promises nothing. Listen, they don't do us any good worrying about ourselves. It does us no good because Jesus is telling you, all you need is me. Just trust me. But again, some of us have been so blessed. That we can't even get ourselves out of the way. Realize it again. Just like Jesus said, I must die and after three days rise again. The blessing is in the death. The blessing is in the self-denial. We've got to understand those things. We've got to get out of the way. Yeah. It says, verse 64. But there are some of you who do not believe what Jesus knew from the beginning, who they were, and who did not believe and who were the traitors. Listen, they already know. We can. We can talk to him blue in the face, talk about who wants to serve. We can talk to him the blue in the face. He knows our he was cutting to the core of who we are, even when we don't do it. Most times we don't do it. We're not going to honestly sit back and assess ourselves, look at the word of God, look at ourselves, and let that be a reflection of who we are, where we are in our life. But we don't have to, because he already knows. He said, look, listen, I don't need that. I don't need it. And don't dictate to God again, as I said, what we were willing to give up. It says, verse 55, and he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. Verse 66. Now this is, this is it. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him. We can't do it. What you ask me is too old. I can't get over it. I can't do it. I would much, I would, listen, you just fed me now. I got it. But the things that you're asking after I've been blessed, I can't do that. You're asking too much. You're asking me to give up the things that I like. You're asking me to give up the things that please me. You're asking me to give up that job that may be hindering my servitude, that relationship that might be causing me problems in my life and not allowing me to serve you and glorify your people. You want me to give all those things up? I can't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. 67. Then Jesus said to the 12, This is it, you all. I'm how cold it is. 67 said, Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? Us here today, do we want to go away? Can we truly say that we consider the cost? Do we understand 
what giving of ourselves truly means. Now we say it all the time, that denial of self, self-denial, we gotta deny ourselves. We got it. But what we turn away when Jesus said, listen, I need all of you. I need all of you. I need a full commitment. I need a lifetime commitment. I need it for you to hang those cares and those anxieties in the world at my feet. Now take care of it. Trust in me. Even when it seems like you're about to break. You still trust in me. Can we do those things? And as I close, and extend the invitation, if you're here today and you have not yet obeyed the gospel, understand that that self-denial is important. It's an important piece of being a disciple. Understand that the thing that is hindering you is not some sin. And there's no science to it. The thing that's hindering you from saying, I choose from obeying that gospel is you. And you've got to understand it. Because he wants all men to be saved. He wants everyone in here to have the ability to be saved. And again, remembering that that salvation, that's that free gift. We can freely choose it. Again, there is nothing that's hindering us but us. And if you're tired of wrestling with yourself, because that's all you're wrestling with. That's all you're wrestling with. You can find all kinds of things to explain it away. Well, you know, I just don't know. It's you. You are the problem. Remove yourself out of the way and say, you know what, I should you. I choose you because I have an inability to save myself. So I will lay my will at your feet. We have that ability today. Because you've heard it. You've heard it. And just realize that we make plans all the time. We always make plans. We may have plans a couple hours from now. We may have plans several hours, several days. Understand the only thing that we have guaranteed is the time that we have right now. Because we don't know what's going to happen an hour from now. We don't know what's going to happen 30 minutes from now. We don't even know what's going to happen to us when we walk outside of the But what we can guarantee is the time that we have right now to ensure that by calling him that you sure by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Understand that his death and his resurrection provides us that opportunity to salvation. We've got to understand those things. And again, the only thing that's something is there's nothing in the hour. Because if there's something that you feel like you're not, you can step right on it. Understand, you get yourself out of the way. And if you are in the spot and you have inserted yourself into the equation, you have forgotten the commitment that you made. You hadn't, you maybe you hadn't completely considered that call. Jesus knows. He knows. And he understands those things. It's just a matter of trusting in him and saying, you know what? Let me go ahead and get me out of there. Because I'm making a mess of my life. I'm making a mess of someone else's life. We've got to understand those things, and the beauty of it all is that Jesus is waiting with open arms, saying, come unto me. Come unto me. Listen, I know what you're going to do. I know, because you made a commitment. You made a commitment to me. You will be the gospel. Listen, remember your commitment. I understand that cost. And give yourself up. Consider these things now as we together stand and sing the invitation song.